Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Ride here with my friend from the past, Doug Baltzer. Uh, Doug, great to have you here today. Hey, Darren. Good to be with you again after all these years. Yeah, it's been a long time. And Doug is the director of Rekindle, which champions disciple making and spirit empowerment and fruitful mission. And he's got a new book out called Light Up the Dark. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But uh, Doug, just give us your I don't know, 60-second bio. It can be a little longer than that, just your life and ministry bio. What has brought you to this place in life and ministry? Well, I grew up in Calgary, adopted adopted at birth. I uh, was raised in a good Mennonite home uh, in Alberta, and I've been a pastor now since um, well, the last 27 years or so. I've served in a couple places up far in the far north, Fort McMurray, north of where you are, Darren. And uh, also south of Calgary. And the last uh, 14 years or so, I've been serving out of a, a denominational office with the CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance in Alberta. Um, done a variety of things there. I've coached church plans, done leader development. And in the last eight years, uh, key focus has been on uh, championing and catalyzing, equipping around uh, areas of renewal for, for church leaders uh, in Canada, across Canada, occasionally internationally. Yeah, well, that's that is very very concise, and and you've got just such a breadth of experience and both ministry and life, and and I just uh, uh, appreciate you taking the time to do this. Let me just ask, just again for a little more context, what does a normal week in the life of Doug Balzer look like these days? Well, the normal week is not a normal week, but you know there may be there may be four or five different kinds of of weeks. Uh, sometimes it's internal meetings, sometimes it's writing and study and producing uh, blogs or uh, podcasts. Um, it could be uh, leading the local church with open guests uh, who are free to come uh, in the Holy Spirit weekend or a soul care, deliverance training, healing training. So it's pretty eclectic. Uh, the normal week is pretty abnormal. And yeah, I kind of like it that way, but there's not much of a rhythm to the life. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also a woodworker and you produce some, some outstanding pieces of work there I see on Facebook. From yeah, that's my avocation. That's my sacred place. Uh, garages are not for cars to be parked. <laughs> exactly. And, and, uh, you know, I was most interested in that one canoe that you, you put together. They're just beautiful. And uh, is that, do you just hang it up and not touch it? Does it actually get in the water? Oh, it gets work in the water. It's been scratched up. I build, I build things to use them. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I'm working on a couple pieces of furniture right now for my son and new daughter-in-law. Oh, excellent. Well, reason I've asked Doug to, to jump in the podcast is his recent book, his second book, Light Up the Dark here. And what really got me with this book, I, I've read it. Uh, I'm recommending it to everybody. And I'll just be you know, upfront on this podcast. One of my purposes of this podcast is to encourage as many people as possible to, to grab this and, and digest it. And the thing that got me in this book before I even read it was the subtitle, Restoring Healing and Deliverance to Disciple Making. I don't know, you know, I don't know how you wrestled that through, Doug, but it could have been so many things. It could have been restoring healing, deliverance to the church, to pastoral ministry, to leadership. And, and it's all those things are true. But what you've done in this book is you've linked these, these key aspects of the ministry of Jesus, the early church, the church, to the purpose of disciple making. And, and how did you, 
did you wrestle with other subtitles or how did you frame it up that way? Why did you land on the focus on disciple making? Well, the book comes out of my doctoral dissertation. So how did I get there? Uh, quite frankly, Darren, it was about a five-year process of distillation to get there. But I, I like you, have become increasingly convinced in the last decade there's really one primary mandate to the church, and that is to make disciples. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here with you. You don't know you've made a disciple until your disciple can make a disciple that can make oh. a disciple. And there's been this, this divide between, say, the uh, disciple-making streams of the church, and then there's the mission evangelism side, or then there's maybe the, um, the charismatic, which I don't personally identify as much to the surprise of some people. But really, these are all to be integrated. And uh, in disciple-making, we need to be on mission, and that's what it means to be a disciple. But we also need the empowerment of Holy Spirit. And yeah, the, the subtitle, I could have made it the title, but I didn't think it was sticky enough. It's Restoring Healing and Deliverance. Like what, what we're talking about in this book, I'm not really presenting new ideas. Um, these were ubiquitous in the first 250 years of the church. In fact, I would argue they would be probably the one or two highest um, known elements of the church by people not in the church in the first 250 years. But then as I go into great detail in the book, I know you're aware, Darren, um, the church just really got away from that. And hmm. uh, too often, at least in middle of road evangelical churches, we viewed the ministries of healing and deliverance as fringe uh, highly suspect, uh, mm. typically manipulated, which often they were, rather than being integral to the forming of disciples, but also to proclaiming and demonstrating good news to those who are not yet disciples. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, and that's exactly what you do in the book. And one thing I appreciate is it's it's a beautiful balance of the historical biblical background, you know, and 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 really proving the thesis that this is integral. To actually hear some how to hear some current stories, so for me it's it's a uh, it, I think it's a foundational book for us. It's going to be a foundational book in our training and equipping. Just unpack a little bit about some of the key key concepts. I mean, you've laid out the the key thesis there very well. What are some of the key ideas that you then draw out of that, as far as how this then filters into the life of the church? Well, I think the biggest challenge uh, on this topic for the church is to uh, adjust her worldview. And significantly, and again, I go into great depths on this, the modern church um, is quite divorced from the kind of worldview that Christ, the apostles, and the early church fathers had. And that was uh, not an anti-materialist worldview, mm -hmm. uh, but it was joined with a spiritual worldview as well. And as I quote in the book, um, and the statistics are in there, in the modern 21st century West, uh, so that's, you know, North America, Australia, UK, etc. To not believe in the paranormal and supernatural is now a minority position. Mm -hmm. But the practice of many, many churches, I would say most churches, is that the, the more um, supernatural manifestations of things like healing and deliverance are, are, are such a, the anomaly rather than just being the normal experience. And and I'm trying to reintroduce the church to things that were meant to be hers all along, but to do so in a way like this, let's not make too much of them. And some people, when they get introduced to things like healing and deliverance, that's all they want to do. I just want to do healing and deliverance. And I said to people, well, please don't. Like, please be a, a maker of disciples and have this ready in your tool belt to utilize whenever Jesus would prompt you to use it. 
So it's not the it's not the end game, but it's a tool that we need along the way. But the the worldview shift is really the place to start. And one way we can ask that is when Jesus says in John 14, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. They'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. We have to ask the question, do we really believe what Jesus said? And what did Jesus do? You know, you'll do the things I have done. Well, he lived a holy life. He was humble, et cetera. Absolutely. But the, the most uh, persistently used phrase in the Gospels of what Jesus did was he proclaimed the kingdom, he healed the sick, he cast out demons. Hmm. So I think that's a place to start. It was for me and maybe for others. Do we really believe the Bible? I'm not suggesting people should go anywhere else for their, their foundational beliefs, but do we really believe the Bible? And do we have a worldview that can interact with concepts like that? Yeah, no, that's, that's so well said, Doug. You know, I, I came out of a church that split in the late seventies over, you know, charismatic expressions and, you know, that, that was a challenge to me personally coming out of that and then being open to, you know, again, we don't want to label it charismatic, but being open more to the work of the spirit and, and, and growing in that, what would you say to a person who, who has no background, you know, in terms of healing deliverance uh, practically in the life of their church, but they see in scripture, this is obvious. This was a part of the ministry of Jesus, the early church. It should be a part of our ministry today. My ministry individually as a follower of Jesus, the church as a whole what's the next thing they do? Like, what does a person do once they, once they, the worldview shift has happened, where do they go from there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll answer it um, philosophically, but I think it's rooted biblically. And, and that is uh, one might ask the question, would Jesus want this for me? In other words, would Jesus want my life to demonstrate his person, his presence? I think we will all say yes. His truth, his proclaimed message, but also his, his demonstrate, demonstrated presence that the kingdom is now. And that is what healing and deliverance is. It's a tangible expression of the spoken good news. And so if that's the case, then I would suggest to a person that you just framed that Jesus wants you to learn this infinitely more than you do. So the place to start would simply be, Jesus, would you disciple me in these ways? Mm. And they're really not that much. I, I, let me rephrase that. They're not any more mysterious than learning how to function with a gift of hospitality or a gift of teaching or a gift mm. of mercy. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily, yes, some people have a gift of healing per se, but these are not related to spiritual gifts. Everybody gets to play in this, but like all things in the kingdom, mm -hmm. they, there is a spiritual dimension, but there's also a developmental dimension. If you're mm -hmm. going to be a good leader of a Bible study, you can ask Jesus through his spirit to illuminate your mind as you leave, but some of it's tactical and there are things to learn. So the, I would say the place to start would be to ask Jesus to disciple you in this, invite him to intercept you with people who can mentor you, and read everything you can. And along the way, this might be the third or fourth thing I'm suggesting, along the way, persistently be asking Jesus to give you right-sized assignments to develop you. That's good. Praise. And he will. He's gentle. He's compassionate. He knows what you're capable of. He knows what's beyond your reach and beyond my reach in our developmental stage. But ask him. We, we do this all the time so evangelistically. Oh, Lord, will you give me an opportunity to be a friend to my neighbors this week? It turns out Jesus shows up, right, in those things. Yeah. It's no oh, yeah. different than this. It's not, you know, we, we need to lose the mysterious nature of this. It, it's no different than any other area of development in the kingdom. 
Yeah, no, that, that is again so well stated, Doug. You know, one of our one of our little uh, practices and even taglines here in our group is pray and pay attention. And you know, whether it's praying for people for salvation, for conversation, just for opportunity. And what happens is there's these incremental opportunities show up, and the next thing you know, as in my wife's case, she's at work laying her hands on people and praying for them. You know, and, and it just it, you know it's a dramatic jump from zero to there, but it happens so gently. I think that's, that's a good word user. The Lord leads you gently into that as you ask and seek for sure. No well, it, it is gentle and then interrupted by moments of trauma. And what I mean by trauma <laughs> is when um, we are being prompted into obedience hmm. and in order to obey, we need to go beyond our um, experience to date. Yeah. And, and that can be, that can be frightening. But if you look at the miraculous accounts in scripture, and this would bear true in all of my observation, the miracles of God through his believers don't materialize or they are not realized unless the people of God do what Jesus is prompting them to do. Hmm. So when I prayed for my neighbor and I said, in Jesus name, this back be healed now. And it was, it wasn't healed until I spoke both the words that, oh my goodness, if it doesn't happen, then what? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I like to use this uh, corny phrase. We have to just get used to jumping out of airplanes without parachutes. No <laughs> no caveats. Yeah. And just leave the results up to Jesus. And before I before I um, would jump out of uh, airplanes without parachutes, I'd always have caveats. And I saw zero healings in 20 years of pastoral ministry, or maybe 18 years of pastoral ministry. But mm. since I w- I've gone skydiving, metaphorically, yes. Um, not every person I pray for is healed or whatever, but um, I now have great expectation that Jesus is going to do something. And, you know, he usually does. That's, that's so excellent. Way. And, you know, one thing you raised in your book a bit, and something I wrestled with personally even before reading your book, but the, was the issue of the declarative statement of healing versus asking, you know, the if it's God's will kind of thing. Just can you speak to that briefly a little bit? Yeah, I think there's three forms of prayer. Like if you look at the New Testament, there's intercession, and yes, we are to intercede. Um, but then there's also declaration and command. Hmm. So, you know, in Jesus' name, rise and walk. Um, most prayers in middle-of-the-road churches, in my experience, are um, almost exclusively intercessory prayers. We're asking Jesus to do something. Mm-hmm. But if you take the pains to walk through the New Testament and categorize the prayers, intercessory prayers, which are valid and we are commanded to give, are by far the minority. The majority of prayers are declarative prayers. So you can go to Ephesians 1, you know, grace and peace to the saints at Ephesus. That's a prayer. What is what is Paul doing? He is releasing something. And that, and I write about that in my other book, The Empowerment Pivot in Chapter 4. Um but that, that right there can be such a huge shift with believers. And a little study that I've done, Darren, is when I'm in churches and the, and the pastor gives the, the benediction, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. I always have my eyes open and I'm observing and the following happens, I think, every time. Um, the pastor, he or she has their hands released to the people. And notice they're not asking Jesus for anything. They're not saying, now, Jesus, would you please bless these hmm. people? Oh, no, no. They're saying, no, they're declaring it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I look around in the congregation, and many, many people have their hands open because they're giving something away. And this is what it means to have the keys to the kingdom. We can release, uh, 
you know, Acts 3, Peter and John, silver and gold we do not have, but what we have, we give you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. What did they have? They had the, the presence of healing, the, the presence of Jesus that heals to give away. And so we really get this backwards in the church. You know, we understand Jesus says, go and proclaim the gospel. So we don't, we don't send people to other lands, or we don't put a, a, a pastor in a pulpit on a Sunday morning and then just stand there and say, okay, Jesus, preach. Hmm. We need to stop asking Jesus to do things that he's commanded us to do, which includes healing and deliverance. Hmm. And so I don't ask Jesus to heal people anymore. Hmm. I don't say, oh, Jesus, Jerry's such a wonderful person. Would you come and please heal them? Jesus never told us to go and do that. He hmm. did command us to go heal the sick, go preach the gospel. So it's a different orientation. And a lot of it comes down to declarative prayers, which is not uh, name it and claim it. That's formulaic. This still has to do with partnering with Jesus, because did Jesus heal every sick person in first century Palestine? No. Did he kick out every demon in first century Palestine? No. But he did what he saw his father doing, and he, and he said what he heard his father saying. Yes. So we, we can live in similar ways, in, in the same way as he did. Oh, yeah. No, no, beautiful. It is. It's about hearing his voice. It's not, it's not a random, the way you describe it. And again, what encouraged me was, you look at scripture, it's pretty clear. Again, you just bring back the scripture. You're not you're not staking out a uh, an extra biblical theological position, saying, "Look at what Jesus did. Look what we're called to be and do." There, uh, you, you mentioned really briefly, and I just want a brief answer to this, if you would, because we're our, our time is getting close here. Kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Just unpack that a little bit. What is the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached? It was more than believe on Jesus and be saved. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is just so integral to the whole foundation of the scriptural understanding of the kingdom of God. And so in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates heaven and earth, and that's good. And he gives the domain of earth to humanity, rule and reign. And then Genesis 3, there's a, a bad actor that comes into the narrative, and he sets up his kingdom. And so, you know, when Jesus is being, in, when he's in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan for 40 days, and, and Satan says to me, you know, just bow down to me, and I'll, I'll give you the, all these kingdoms. Jesus didn't say, you're lying. Why not? Because he wasn't lying. We, we know this in First John, the whole world is under the control of the evil one, and Jesus has come to... Um, dismantle the works of the enemy again in first john and so what jesus is doing in his life death and resurrection he is he's like the new sheriff sheriff in town walking through the saloon doors in the in the spaghetti western dusty movie and he's saying there's a new sheriff in town here and uh his work in his life lived the incarnation his death resurrection and ascension he has now earned the kingdom back through his blood. And he says to his church, I now give you the keys to this kingdom. Hmm. Now operate in my authority and claim back the captives that the enemy has held. And uh, that is a proclaimed message. There is good news. You can be free, but it's also a tangible message that the presence of Christ can heal, that the presence of Christ can free people from demonic bondage and from torment. So it's not just a proclaimed, it is that, but it's the kingdom now being realized. And this, I, I am increasingly convinced, will be a primary apologetic in a country like Canada or US or wherever the listeners are, because people are not too keen on the message these days. But as I have seen, 
numerous times, and I pray we'll see much more, when someone encounters the presence of Christ through healing, deliverance, whatever it is, their ears are wide open to hear about the person that just performed this, which is not me. It's Jesus. Yeah. And it's an invitation to come and taste the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's really good. It's uh you know, we're, we're learning and believing that as we move out in evangelism, like we really see that one of the bottlenecks in disciple making is actually reaching new people. And one of the bottlenecks to reach new people is we've got methods that work great in the fifties yeah, <laughs> and in a, in a, in a very churched world where it was really taking people who are trusting in works for salvation to trusting in Jesus. It was all within the, within Christendom. Well, now we're dealing with people and my wife's at work today. She's working with someone from India, someone from Peru. That's the people mm-hmm. she's working with this morning, you know? from radically different worlds to break through that is not a logical apologetic anymore. It's about the presence and the power of Jesus shown through one of his, to use your, use your, your Western image, one of his deputies, one of yeah. his representatives. And that's who we are. Uh, one, one question is a little, maybe more granular, a question I've, I've uh, wrestled with and asked a few different people, where does personal spiritual giftedness fit in with this area of deliverance and, and healing? Because a lot of people who teach, in these areas have a unique giftedness. Now I know your, your situation is very interesting. Your wife has different gifts than you do, of course, and you're an excellent team, but how does giftedness come into play when it comes to the ministry of healing and deliverance that all believers are called to? Yeah. Yeah. uh, That's a good question. Um, uh, perhaps I'll try to briefly answer it in a couple of ways. Uh, one, you know, the early church fathers demonstrate and, and the quotes are in the book that all Christians can do this. That's what they were observing, that everybody, in fact, Tertullian says, if a Christian can't cast out a demon, that that person is suspect in their faith. Now, I think he was overstating it, but, you know, you know, hear what he's trying to say. So people who have a, um, a gift of healing would likely have this as a very regular and predictable um, expression of ministry. Hmm. So all disciples need to be able to teach. Now, some people who have a gift of teaching or preaching, it will be very predictable that when they teach, the grace of Christ through Holy Spirit is accompanying that person. A person with a a gift of discernment of spirits, um, we all have discernment. If you are in Christ, you have discernment. If you're a Christian, say, well, I don't have discernment. What you're saying is you don't have the mind of Christ in you, which is not mm-hmm. true. So we all have discernment. But a person with the gift of discernment of spirits will be very predictably um, able to function highly in high capa- higher capacity and quickly in that. And additionally, those who have a gift of discernment of spirits or healing or miracles, and this might be the primary shift, is that they will be disproportionately equipping others in the same mm-hmm. in the same way that someone who has a gift of hospitality. Well, it's very predictable. Every time they walk into a group, they can just see who needs hospitality. But what they are doing is also equipping other believers and, and increasing that impulse within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So my, my view of, of spiritual gifts might be a little bit other than what other people experience. It's a little bit more fluid. I I understand we all have gifts, but um, I think they're really meant to be used and shared and propelling one another, as opposed to here's the little box I have, and I'm going to live in it. Yeah. And I I would just add to that. The spirit does, and is fully capable of injecting anything needed in any situation at any time, you know, and and I think comes back to personally on the personal level, hearing the voice of the spirit. But I would also add, 
that there is a role for the body as a whole in this ministry. There is a role for community. It's not me reaching my friends as we talk. It's it's us working together to reach our friends, to reach our neighbors, to reach our community. And there's a great, the body has all the gifts. That's true. You know that. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, some people in this, in this podcast, uh, they, they, they have, may, may not have re- yet realized that they have a gift of discernment of spirits or a gift of faith or a gift of miracles and the d- gift of healing. I would just like to, in Jesus name, um, mm-hmm. speak to those people that Jesus knows who they are. And I would say, come awake, all the gifts of the body, all of them, the ones that have been kind of sleepy, come awake and be, uh, be reinvigorated to the work of Christ in your life. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. That's, that's an excellent landing place. Doug, if people want to learn more, know more about what you're up to, your ministry rekindle, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find, um, you know, podcasts and blogs and some ministry tools along the line of spiritual renewal, disciple making a mission on our webpage, uh, rekindle.tv, rekindle.tv, or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Excellent. And I just want to, again, encourage us to mention the book. I, I highly recommend this and I don't recommend books lightly. Uh, It's been a great encouragement to me, and it really does marry um, the kingdom teaching of Jesus in the early church to the call to disciple-making. A lot of people are grabbing on to disciple-making these days. Really, it's happening. There's a renewal happening in disciple-making. And what you give us in this book, Doug, is some essential tools to do that more effectively. So thanks for taking the time, uh, wisdom, and grace to you uh, in your ministry. And uh, just look forward to seeing where the Lord takes all this. Okay. Thanks for having me, Darren. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.